0: Okay, good evening. Welcome back to RUF. Um, If you're not already there, turn with me to Exodus 16. Um, Let me begin tonight. I want to share a poem with you. And I want to warn you on the front end that it's a little dark. uh, And the title of the poem is, No Surprise... It was no surprise that we now saw the damage strewn all over town. For years we saw it coming, though we hoped that we were wrong. And we thought that somehow things might actually work out, but that was just a dream. You do what you can, and sometimes you can't do any more, and then the wills just completely fall off. One time my dad told me that things would get better. Well, they didn't. Things actually got worse. She cried and he yelled, and the scent of vodka filled his voice, both filling the room. And then there was just silence, just silence. There were no more Christmas cards, no more family photos with the family in their white shirts and blue jeans, There was now instead moving vans, and Kleenex boxes, and therapists. And the kids would spend time with their friends and wonder what happened. And wonder if it was their fault. Why is mommy so sad? But that was years ago. And now their wives are sad. And now their breath has the scent of vodka on it. And deep down, they hope that things will get better. But we all know how it will end. With the sound of crying, the scent of vodka, and silence. I'm pleased to offer this ministry of encouragement to you tonight. (laughs) Listen, I know that's dark. But seriously... Is that your view of life in a fallen, broken world? Do you wake up sometimes in the morning and think, will I ever change? Do you wake up and wonder and think about your family and the mess that it is and say to yourself, is that ever going to get any better? Or do you think about the relationships around you with your friends or maybe with someone that you're dating and wonder if it will ever really change? You see, if we're honest, we all have things that we want to stop and change about ourselves. But it is hard, isn't it? It's hard to let those things go. And sometimes, if you're like me, it feels like those things dominate us more than anything else. And we feel helpless. And we feel hopeless. And we wonder if we're ever going to change. Well, there's actually good news. Because Exodus 16 gives us hope tonight, believe it or not. Because it shows us that we can change. And it shows us how to change and how to grow in the Christian life. Before we dig into that passage, let me pray. And let's ask God to be with us. Father, we come tonight from all sorts of places in this room. Some of us are discouraged. Some of us are full of joy. Others are full of sorrow and sadness and confusion and unbelief and doubt. Some of us, uh, Father, are uh, depressed. Uh, We're struggling, struggling with our own sin and the consequences brought on by our sin. And we need a word from you. And so, Jesus, we ask you to come. We need you. We need help. Would you give us hope and encourage us through this passage and show us through this passage of bread coming out of heaven? Would you show us how this passage actually is encouraging and gives us life and actually shows us how we can be sustained in the middle of whatever it is that we're going through tonight? Father, point us to Jesus and give us a word, one word that we can hang on to tonight, one thing, one truth. you do these things in Jesus' name, amen. This semester, we've been looking at the story of salvation through the book of Exodus. That's the theme that we're tracing uh, through this book. And simply put, what we've seen this semester is that salvation is liberation. In other words, one of the things that we have seen is that God intervenes into our lives, into the lives of His people, and He frees us or rescues us from things that enslave us. He rescues us and saves us from things that seek to destroy and kill us. Well, tonight we're shifting a little bit and we're going to look at how that salvation actually gets worked out into our lives. In other words, the question tonight is this, very simply put, how do people change? This passage in Exodus 16 shows us, through this passage of manna coming out of the sky in the desert from God, shows us some things On how it is that change happens into our lives. We see two things in this passage. Change involves oftentimes a wilderness, that's often where things that God uses to change us. You have the outline printed for you. And then the second thing is change happens as we lock on and feed on manna. And we're going to talk more about what that looks like in just a minute. So, wilderness and manna. Those are the two points tonight. Let's look at number one, the wilderness. Look at verse 2. Anytime you see the Bible use the word wilderness, it means desert. Okay? So we can substitute desert here. What is a desert? Well, a desert is a place where uh, no biological or human life can be sustained. So why are they there then? Why are they in the desert? They are in the desert because God has led them there. It's part of their journey. It's part of their story. Instead of going straight to the promised land, they actually wander around the desert for 40 years. And some of you might be thinking tonight, which is a great question and a natural next question, why in the world... Why would God do this to his own people? Why not just send his people straight to the promised land, the land flowing of milk and honey where peace reigns? Why? Well, it's interesting because Moses, I encourage you later to read Deuteronomy chapter 8. You can write it down. But Moses in chapter 8 is reflecting on this event in Exodus 16 and on the wilderness wanderings. And listen to what he says in chapter 8, verse 2 of Deuteronomy. Listen closely. You shall remember the whole way that it is the Lord your God who has led you these 40 years. You shall remember that it is the Lord your God that has led you. These 40 years, why? Moses goes on to say the reason why is so that he might humble you, testing you to see what is in your heart. Now, think about that with me. God takes us into the wilderness. This is what it's saying. Whatever your wilderness is tonight, whatever your desert that you might find yourself in tonight, God takes us there because in the desert, God is counseling us and training us. And you know how He does it? In the wilderness, God bubbles up our sin and shows us our heart so that we might actually deal with it and start to grow and change. In other words, God leads us into the desert to show us the things that we're really living for besides Him so that we might be led to growth and to change in our lives. How would our perspective change if we really believed that? If we really believed that the wilderness that we're led there because God wants to show us something about our hearts so that we might grow and change. You see, oftentimes when we're led into the wilderness, we're very quick to say it's someone else's fault or to blame our circumstances or to blame another person for whatever it is that's going on in our lives when life doesn't go our way. And God says, no. This is about you. This is about your heart that I'm wanting to work on and change and deal with. What if instead of when we get into the desert or to the wilderness in our lives, instead of saying God is trying to hurt us or God is holding out on us or God is being cruel to us, what if instead we believed that God was working in us for good? Even though we don't understand it and it doesn't make sense. You see, if you're like me, here's what often happens. When we get into a wilderness or into a desert or into something that's not going right into our lives, my knee-jerk reaction is, God, take this away from me. Get this out of my life. I just want to be happy. And God says, no. I'm going to leave it there because I want to work on your character. I want to work on your heart. I've got a much bigger plan than simply your happiness in the moment. There's an old campus minister, and his name's Brian, uh, not Brian Sorgenfry, Brian Habig. Brian Habig's a, or a good friend of mine, but I'm talking about Brian Habig, who was a former campus minister at Mississippi State years ago and he's now at uh, Greenville, South Carolina, pastoring a church. And he tells a story about a college friend of his, a good friend, and while they were in college his sophomore year, his friend develops Hoskins disease. And Brian, as he tells the story, said this guy was just just a great guy. He was incredibly popular. Everyone wanted to, everyone wanted to be around him. He was the life of the party. He had a great sense of humor. Uh, He was just an all-around great guy. And so he gets Hoskins disease his sophomore year and starts to go through the painful process of chemotherapy. And in that process, he loses all of his hair. He gets down to a very low weight, loses his girlfriend, and loses most of his friends. They begin to disappear on him. And he's lower than low He says that he's never been at such a low point in his life, bottom of the barrel. And he's lying in the hospital bed. And he's incredibly fatigued and exhausted from the chemotherapy and very, very nauseous. And as he's lying there, it hits him. And he needs to get to the restroom because he is so sick. And so he tries on his own strength to get out of the bed and to go to the bathroom... And he gets about halfway there and he collapses on the hospital floor in his hospital gown and he's laying there completely exhausted and he says for the first time in his life as he's laying there in the fetal position, he said, I realized and understood what grace is. Because until that moment, I would have said... I'm this really good guy, and I've done all these really great things for God. And I've loved people so well. But in that moment, as I'm in the fetal position, he says, lying on the floor, I realized I was doing nothing for God. I realized that I hadn't prayed in I don't know how long. I realized that I wasn't leading any Bible studies and doing any Christian things. And yet, God's love was with me. And He was just as committed to me. And His forgiveness had not changed. And His love for me had not changed. And He said it dawned on Him in that moment that this is what grace is. That in that moment, the reason He realized that He is in Christ is not because of what He had done, but for what Christ had done for him. And as he tells this story, listen to how he ends it. He tells this story all the time. He tells his testimony. And every time he ends his story, he says this, I love Hoskins disease. I thank God for giving me Hoskins disease Because I would have never learned these things any other way. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what wilderness you find yourself in tonight. I don't know what desert you find yourself in, whether it be a broken relationship or whether it be not getting in to that grad school that you had planned and banked your life on or whether it be your family that's coming apart at the seams or whether it be your own struggle with sin or something that's happened in your life that's a result of your own doing in your own sin. Whatever it is if you're there and you feel like God has left you, I want you to think about something. Is it not possible that an all-knowing, all-wise, all-loving, all-powerful God who loves you all the way to the bottom and knows you deeper and better than anyone, is it not possible that this God could bring this wilderness and desert into your life in order to teach you things that you would never have learned any other way. In order to teach you things so that you might grow and mature and change. You see, we don't like that. But that's how God works because we want gimmicks we want technology we want pills we want quick fixes we want surgery we want all these things and we want to change and we want them to make us holy in the blink of an eye and god says no god says let me invite you into a process let me invite you into counseling Let me invite you into education and into training. And unfortunately, that training often comes through fire. And it often comes through desert and through wilderness. But friends, this is how God makes us holy. More often than not, as we read the Bible. Secondly, manna. What does this teach us? What do we learn here from the manna? Well, one of the things that's interesting about this passage, and it's very easy to miss, so look with me at the passage, but think about it. There are things happening in the desert and in the wilderness that should not be happening. Remember, in a desert, there's no biological or human life that should be disdained and sustained, and yet what's happening? There's actually food, the bread of coming from heaven, and there is actually life. In contrast that, and hang with me, with the fertile Nile River Valley, which is one of the most, in the known world at this time, was one of the most fertile places. Remember, the plagues went through there, and so a place that should have had life and should have had food had none. And here's what that teaches us. A very, very important principle that we can't miss. And here it is. You can have the very best of circumstances. Everything can be going right in your life. And if God is not at the center, then it will be a place of death. And it will be a place of wilderness and desert. On the other hand, your life could be completely off the tracks. Nothing could be going right for you. And you could have the very worst of circumstances. And yet, if God is at the center of your life, it can actually be a place of strength and sweetness and life and growth and change. That's what we see in this passage. But I want you to notice something. Notice that they had to go get it. They had to go out. It didn't happen automatically. It wasn't they just sat there. They had to go, if you read the passage, and get the manna and get the provision. And how did they get it? And how do we get it? Well, again, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Moses is reflecting on this event and he says this. God, through the manna, teaches them and teaches us that man doesn't live on manna alone and bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see what Moses is saying? In the middle of our deserts, in the middle of our wilderness, he's saying, do you want spiritual strength? Do you want life? Do you want to grow? then we are to cling to and feed on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Translation, we are to feed on the Bible because we believe this is God's Word to us. Friends, to grow and to change, we've got to take the truth in this book and we've got to turn it into food and turn it into bread so that our souls might be encouraged and so that we might be sustained. And here's the thing. Lots of us know a lot of head knowledge. But that won't do it. Instead, we've got to take it from our head and put it down deep in our hearts and chew on it and taste it and reflect on it and turn it into food. In other words, we've got to think What do I mean by that? Well, let me give you a very vivid example of what this looks like to turn truth into food to sustain you and encourage your soul. Matthew chapter 6. Remember, that's the chapter Jesus says, do not worry. Now, Jesus doesn't just say, stop worrying, it's not good to worry. You You know how he starts that passage on do not worry? He starts it with the word consider. What does that mean? Well, Jesus comes and says, Think! Use your head. Think about the lilies of the field. Think about the birds of the air. And if God provides for them, how much more will He also provide for you? Friends, we've got to take truth just like that and turn it into food in the middle of that relationship that's coming apart at the seams. Or when we leave here and we do not have a job lined up and we don't know what to do. We've got to turn truth into food when we long more than anything in the world to date someone and to be married, but we're still single. In those moments, we've got to remember and we've got to think and we've got to say to ourselves, I don't need to panic. And the reason why I don't need to panic because... I belong to God. And if He clothes the lilies of the field and He feeds the birds of the air, how much more does He love me as His son or as His daughter? That's what it means to take truth and to turn it into food. Because when we do that, we are encouraged and we are sustained in whatever it is that we're going through. And so then the question is, how often do they feed on the manna? How often do they go and gather the manna? Well, we didn't read it, but look at verse 21. Daily, day after day. Why does God stress this need for daily dependence upon Him? Well, because God knows that you and I are in such a sad state that what we need more than anything else is a moment by moment relationship with the one who knows us all the way to the bottom with the one who actually created us and what we learn is that God is saying that what we need to grow and to change is not to just go to God so that we can get our needs met but to go to God as the thing that we need Tim Keller says it very nicely. He says you don't realize that God is all you have or that God is all you need until God is all you have. You don't realize that God is all you need until God is all you have. That's the key. Oftentimes we wonder and are confused about our prayer life because we go to God and we say, just give it back to me whatever it is that's been taken away from you, that's led you into the wilderness, we just say, God, give it back. And if we go to God and we say, give it back, then we've totally missed the point of the wilderness. We've totally missed what God is doing in our lives. Because instead of going to God and saying, give it back, the wilderness is meant to drive us to God and say, God, let me have you. Because You are what I need. And You're the only thing that can truly satisfy me. You see, God's Word and God is manna for our souls in the midst of whatever it is that we're going through in this moment in our lives. You know what's interesting? Is that thousands of years after this event... In John chapter 6, Jesus is standing before a group of skeptics. And they start saying, Jesus, give us bread from heaven, just like your father did back in Exodus, back in the Old Testament. And Jesus replies to them and says, The father gives you true bread. And they say, Well, okay, then give us some of this food. And you know what Jesus says? John chapter 6. You can go read it. Jesus says, I am the food. I'm the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the true manna. I am the one that if you come to me, you will never grow hungry again. Jesus says, come to me. And I will rescue you and set you free from all those things in your life that enslave you and desire to destroy you and kill you. You see, isn't it wonderful that God the Father provided us with the true bread, with the true manna, in the person of Jesus Christ Himself. And my question for all of us Tonight is, are we hungry for Him? Because until we are hungry for Him, then we'll never truly be satisfied in this life. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, um, would you give us a true hunger?